We've been, I've been tremendously impressed and blessed by seeing all that this church does for the children of our church, all these kids that were sitting on our steps this morning. But I would ask the question, what would we do for the children whose pictures we just saw on the screen? What would we be willing to do for them? Should there be a different answer for the two? Do one set of kids get one answer, one response, and another get another? If I told you that $32, last week you may remember, those of you that were here, I asked our congregation, I said, bring $32, each one, to help pay to feed a child put clothing on a child, to put a roof over a child's head, to, to provide a safe environment for a child. If I told you that $32 would save probably any of the lives of the kids up here, most of you, if not all of you, would line up to give $32. Would we make the same sacrifice if I said $32 would save the lives of these children on this screen? I want us to open our Bibles this morning to the book of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Beginning in verse 13, the scripture that Deborah read this morning. And they, these parents I assume, were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw their rebuke, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. What the disciples were doing in turning away these children was wrong. It was a wrong act. They may not have known it was wrong. It might have been an unknown wrong to them, but it was in fact wrong, which is why Jesus said to them, let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. Now some have tried to spiritualize this and say that Jesus is only talking about the lost and and other aspects of things. And in the other gospels we may be able to apply that. But Jesus here is specifically talking about these children that were being brought to him. We can say, well, in the context of the refugee Sabbath, what does letting the little children come to Jesus look like? What, what is this text saying to us about, about hindering or not hindering children? Well, in order to maybe understand that, I want us to understand what is actually happening in our world, understand what is truly happening. We, we see pictures here and there. By the way, many of us saw the picture of that dead little three-year-old boy on the beach. And, and we saw it, we were, we were horrified by it, and, and we moved on from it. If you go to Europe, if you spend some time in Europe, if you look at, at the European news, you'll realize that that one boy is not an isolated incident. If you go home today and you, you Google children, refugee children in Greece, you will see picture after picture after picture after picture of dead children on the beaches. It's not an isolated incident. But I want us to understand because I think in, in, our, in, our, in our space it can be easy for us to not realize what is happening out there. From January 2016, there was a report out of Europe and it was a report on what took place in 2015. 
And it talked about how millions and millions of people literally have been re- were refugees in 2015. And of those several million individuals that came as refugees, 405,955 were children, almost 406,000 were children, the report states. This is out of UNICEF, the UNICEF report. And out of those four, almost 406,000, an estimated 96,500 of them were unaccompanied minors. Unaccompanied minors. Brothers and sisters, I care about all of those 406,000 children, but, but, but when I read that, when I read that there was 90, nearly 90, or nearly 97,000 children, 97,000 children with, with no parents, no grandparents, no aunts, no uncles, no, no older siblings to take care of them, just 96,000 plus children. My heart began to ask the question, who is taking care of these children physically? Who is, who is looking out for these children's emotional interests? Who is looking out for their, their spiritual well-being? Who is ministering to them? I thought about my own children, and every single day, one of the highlights of my day is hugging my boys. I love to receive hugs and, and to hug my boys because there's something about when you hug a child and the way they respond to you. And I thought to myself, who is hugging these kids? The uh, Victor on the screen, one of the things he said is that, is that here in these camps, we, in one of the camps, they had 400 and some kids out of 1,000 that are just in this kind of play area, but there's no one there to nurture them, to, to care for them. Who is, who is affirming these children that they are valuable in spite of the circumstances that they are in? The report continued from this past January. The EU's criminal intelligence, intelligence agency warns that pan-European gangs are targeting minors for sex abuse and slavery. Remember, we said about over, a little over 96,000 96,000 unaccompanied children. Of these 96,000, 10,000 of the unaccompanied child refugees that have registered in Europe have since disappeared. Criminal intelligence agencies fear that they have fallen into the hands of organized trafficking syndicates uh, to be sexual slaves and to be exploited in other various ways. In the first attempt by law enforcement agencies to quantify one of the most worrying aspects of the migrant crisis, Europol's chief of staff told the observer that thousands of vulnerable minors had vanished after registering with state authorities. The Bible said, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for, such belongs, for to, this, to such belongs the kingdom of God. If we turn our heads away from one of the greatest Uh, humanitarian crises of our day. If we turn our heads away from, from, from these children that are suffering, are we in a way doing the same thing the disciples did? Are we hindering in this way the children from coming to Jesus? Someone may ask, well, how are we doing that? Well, I think about this. If a child has food in their stomach, if they have a roof over their head, if they have Christian volunteers around them in ADRA or Adventist help, if they're safe from, from prostitution or, or drug trafficking, if they're safe to not have a bomb attached from them and sent into a building to blow it up, 
Is there a greater chance that they will have the opportunity then to hear and to learn of Jesus? Is there an opportunity higher? If there's food in their belly and they're not worried, they're not living in fear of being used as prostitutes. Some of the stories you read, folks, about some of these refugees that are being taken into sexual slavery, kids as young as five years old, being purchased as sex slaves. Even if they were to never accept Jesus, even if they were never to come to Jesus, would it still be okay for us would, would, it still, would it be okay for us then to turn our, turn our heads away from these children? Think about your own children. Some of you have children that have, that have walked away from the Lord, that have, that have left him and, and abandoned the principles and the, and, and the relationship that you raised them with. Some of you have children that are young like mine, and we know that there is a chance that they will never accept Jesus in their hearts. Even if our children never accept Jesus, do you still want them to have food in their tummies? Do you still want them to have clothes on their backs or, or roof, roofs over their head? Do you still want them to, to live in safety? Do you still want your kids to, even if they never love Jesus, do you still want to know that, that, that they're not going to be exploited in some way? If we would have that feeling for our own children and for the children that sit up here on their, these steps, how then can we turn our heads and look the other way when we see that thousands upon thousands of children, at least 10,000 unaccompanied child refugees have disappeared after arriving in Europe. Many are feared to have fallen into the hands of organized trafficking syndicates. How can we turn our heads at this? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Are we hindering children from coming to Jesus? And I ask this question, is our hindering in some ways even worse? Is, is, is the disciples, the disciples when, when they were trying to keep the, the kids away from, from Jesus, they thought they were doing Jesus a service. And any parent can relate to this. Any parent can relate to this. How many of you have ever said to your child, I'll raise my hand just so I'll be first, lead the way, stop being a nuisance? Anyone ever said that to your child? Only two of you. God bless you, Shouse. I love you. <laughs> For me being, uh, we're, I guess, the only one. Maybe we're the only ones that know that word. What about a pest? Be quiet. Don't disturb them right now. We've said these things. Anyone that's had children knows that these things are things that we said. And so the disciples thought that they were protecting Jesus. Don't be a nuisance. Don't, don't be a pain. You know, get, keep your children away. Jesus is tired. The disciples in some ways, unfortunately, for better or worse, they didn't know better. They thought they were doing a good deed. I wonder if our sin is more egregious our hindering of the children is more egregious because we do know better. We do know better. In our bellies, in our hearts, in our Christian love, we know deep in our spirit, we may be able to ignore it a lot of times, but deep in our being, we know that it is not okay to turn our heads when potentially tens of thousands of children are losing their lives or are being taken captive 
or going hungry or going without clothing or, or shelter over them. We know this is wrong. We intrinsically in our being know it is wrong to sit by and do nothing while someone else suffers. We know it's a sin to turn our heads away when someone is hurting. The first three-year-old I ever loved was not one of my three boys, was not one of my three sons. It was a little boy by the name of Kamau in a little village or a little slum by the name of Rurutu. I was surrounded by uh, the stench of this slum. I was surrounded by many children with, with dead eyes from huffing glue. Unfortunately, this is an epidemic where I was at there. I was surrounded by dirt and filth. And I was lifting something out of the back of the car. I was there speaking, and honestly, the first couple days I was there, I was just so overwhelmed by the, the smell of the area and all the dirt and everything. And it was my first time in that type of environment. I really hadn't seen poverty like that. And it was a bit overwhelming to my senses and even a bit repulsive to my senses. And I was there, though, to, to preach and to speak, and I was getting something out of the back of the trunk. And I, and I lifted this case out of the back of the trunk, and when I stepped back from the back of the car, I felt myself bump into something. And so when you bump into something, you kind of look to see what you bumped into, and I turn around and I look, and there laying on his backside, laying on the ground, was this little three-year-old boy, dirty face, grimy hands, dust all in his hair, this really dirty jacket, yellow jacket, I remember, a yellow jacket that he was wearing. And I looked at him, and he looked back at me, and when, I, when he looked back at me, all of a sudden, tears just began to well up in his eyes. And so even though I wasn't a parent yet, even though I had no children, even though I was uh, not even married at the time, something in me knew that my responsibility in that moment was to care for that child. And so I immediately set down what I was doing and I scooped this boy up and not thinking about my white shirt or my clean suit or anything else, I just wrapped my arms around him and held him tight to me and then I pulled him back and looked at him and he had these big huge crocodile tears and I wiped his tears away and I kissed him on the forehead not thinking about anything. All that I was thinking about in the moment was relieving this child's fear or suffering or whatever it was. I put him down and from that day forward I had a shadow and every day I'd show up there at that site, this little boy would meet me at the car and he would take my hand and he would walk with me while I'd visit with various people in the area before the meetings I'd usually arrive. And for two hours, this kid would just walk with me and hold my hand and be there with me. Sometime after dark, his older sister would come find him. A three-year-old, folks, by the way, imagine this, a three-year-old with no parents around, no supervision, just wandering around in this slum, Sometime after dark, I would see an older sister or something come and get him and take him back to where they lived, this little three-year-old boy. But I fell in love with that little three-year-old, and I believe he fell in love with me too, even though we couldn't speak at all, and we just literally, he just held my hand and walked with me all over the place. His suffering was falling on his bottom when I knocked him over. But even then, in my being, I knew that my responsibility was to reach out and relieve his fear and his suffering. The suffering of these refugee children, especially the, 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 the 96,000 plus that are unaccompanied just in 2015 alone, by the way. That 96,000 in just 2015 alone. The, the 10,000 that went missing in 2015 alone. Their suffering is far 
greater. The disciples were unaware. The disciples were unaware when they hindered the children from coming to Jesus. They didn't, they didn't realize that they, weren't doing some, that they were doing something wrong. We know better. Theirs was a sin of ignorance. Ours is a sin of turning our head away and trying to ignore it. To turn our heads away seems like a much more egregious sin. Not, of course, in the light of salvation, but, but in the context of, of who we are as Christians. Turn your Bibles to the book of James. It's right after the book of Hebrews. The book of James, chapter 4. The very last cha- uh, verse in James, chapter 4. Verse 17. The scriptures tell us this. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, for her, it is sin. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, for her, it is sin. We know, right? We understand as Christians As followers of Jesus Christ, we understand no matter what our political views are, I resonate with what Falvo said. It it disgusts me if you read the things, the comments on Facebook or the comments on Adra's website. That Christians, that Adventist brothers and sisters are, are tearing them down for helping these people. Disgusts me. But no matter what, even if you're one that wants to tear them down for helping the adults, we, don't we all know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know the right thing to do for these children, don't we? We know that it's not acceptable to turn our heads to them. We know that is sin, don't we? We understand that in our being. Who will hug these children? Who will feed these children? Who will clothe these children? Who will protect these children? We have people on the ground. Maybe some of you need to be some people on the ground on your connection card. You can go there and you can check. Maybe if you want more information on how to be a volunteer over there or how to even work for them full time. I actually went online just two days ago and there are 21 job openings for ADRA in this area. If some of you say, man, God's convicting my heart right now, to give my life to this cause, you could drop it all and go do that right now. 21 job openings that I saw around the world working in these, in these cases for these folk. But who will protect these children? We know that, that there is not a ton we can do. We know we can pray for them. But in a tangible way, we know that we can give to support them. Mark chapter 10 and verse 16 The Bible tells us this, and Jesus took the children in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. $32, that is the blessing we asked you to consider for these children today. $32. What would we do for our children sitting on the steps that were up here? What would we do? What would we do for the children in those pictures that we saw on the screen? Should there be In the heart of Jesus Christ, is there a different answer between our children and the children 
that are suffering in another part of the world. Let the children come to me, Jesus said. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. I pray that we as a people will not hinder them by turning our heads and avoiding doing what we can in our power do to bless them. Let us pray. Jesus, I can't even begin to fathom what it must be like for those parents, for those children, for any one of those individuals that are having to flee their home out of fear, out of threat of life. But as Falvo reminded us, Jesus, you do understand it because you had to do the same thing. Lord Jesus, I pray that we as a church, the Spencerville Church, yes, globally, but, but us specifically, we do much to help ourselves, Lord. We're raising money for cameras, we fix roofs, we have great vacation Bible schools, we do much for ourselves. But Jesus, in this moment, help us not to turn our heads away from those who have nothing, from the children in our world that are suffering. And Jesus, I want to pray for those 10,000 children that have gone missing this last year. No one seems to know where they're at, but you do, Jesus. I just pray for them. I pray for the children that go missing even now in this moment as we're here worshiping Children are being taken and exploited and used as tools of the devil. Jesus, let us not turn our heads. Help us to recognize that as we help, as we support, we put these children in a better position physically, emotionally, and yes, spiritually to say yes to you. Jesus, we thank you for your love and grace towards us. We thank you that though we are foreigners and strangers in this land, you provide for all our needs and all our care. May we go and do likewise. May we lay our hands upon these children and bless them. In your name we pray, amen.
please stir our hearts. Break our hearts with the things that break your heart. And fill us with your love and your compassion to bring peace and hope and joy and safety to those we have opportunity to do this for in this world. May we be witnesses for you, not simply by what we say, but by how we live. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated for the postlude.